0: Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Stand Down Podcast. I'm interviewing my buddy Lamont Stewart. I haven't talked to him since our days in Miami. I'm really excited to catch up with him, see what's happened. He's always been a really interesting person, someone who's almost been too, has too much for stand-up or is interested in too many things. I don't know, we'll see. Uh, I might even use this recording and here he is. All right, hey Lamont, welcome. What's up, Reskin. Long time no damn see.
1: Right on, man. Catfish and gefilte together again.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, just like all times. It's, uh, it's been probably, what, uh, six, seven years, maybe? Yeah, because you
1: left before. Yeah, there, yours, maybe what, maybe a couple of year or two that you were gone?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And then four that I've been away. So yeah, like six, seven years. Sweet Jesus.
0: And now you're no longer in Miami, I hear
1: that's correct I'm back in Connecticut because you know who wants beaches and beautiful women I mean that's just played out you know I like repressed hostility and um, and just just misery misery you, you know see, it's like you sure you're I remember, done with
0: stand-up I mean it sounds like yeah. you're, <laughs> sounds like those are the perfect things stand-ups love misery
1: <laughs> yeah yeah no the thing it's crazy because like when I was in Miami I would always come back for for Thanksgiving And flying in, it was Miami, sunny. Flying into Connecticut was always like you're flying into Voldemort's taint. Like, it was just always (laughs) overcast and just shitty. And it's like, I'm so glad I don't live in this motherfucker anymore. And I'm flying out of here, bitches. (laughs) And then I'm living here. It's like, oh, you silly son of a bitch.
0: (laughs) Total reverse.
1: bastard. You know, the thing was, I was like, even when I was doing comedy and I like, sorry if you have an agenda and I'm steamrolling it, but Man. yeah. Okay. Cause doing comedy, it's like, you love when you're doing it and you're able to like do that cowboy thing of going to any city. Like I'll walk into mm-hmm. any open mic and be like, come on, bitch, what do you got? So coming back to Connecticut, like whenever it was an open mic, there was a, uh, like the funny bone. They had a thing of like, uh, if you're going to be, you know, if you come to the open mic, we'll pick people to be on the, you know, be on the real show. And I got picked to be on the real show. So I'm like, oh, but I'm flying back. So you think maybe we can, you know, do something another time, never heard back. But I was like, okay, so if I move back, you know, the door's kind of open for mm-hmm. this and then I want a contest and it's like, okay, I'll come back and ha
0: ha. It's but, already waiting for me.
1: Yeah, it was not waiting for me. The only thing I was waiting for was a swift kick to my ego balls. <laughs> <laughs> it said, oh, you want a what now? Yeah, you have a grand plan? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, no, we, we, we kept your spot, Mr. Stewart. Everything is ready for you. you. If you want a headline, go ahead. If not, you know, uh, just take the whole night. It's up to you.
1: Did you want the deluxe chicken finger uh, package in your private green room that we <laughs> built for you. <laughs>
0: yes, comedy, uh, comedy does not wait. Comedy waits for no one. And uh, as soon as you get up, someone takes your seat. That's what I've learned.
1: Yeah. Well, I never had a seat. Anyway, I was just uh, walking around the table the whole time, <laughs>
0: eyeing maybe an edge yeah. to lean on. Right.
1: Yeah, yeah. Every now and then, I got to get like a crumb would fall off, and I'd be like, <laughs> you
0: know, <laughs> Ooh, imagine. Yeah. Imagine you know. what a bite would be like.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> a morsel, and that was another. Well, I don't know how. Are we reminiscing about your uh, your experience? No, like so also,
0: I my. Figuring my own shit out is a secondary backs back subplot to the person that I am interviewing Okay, as much as I enjoy, you know Like there's extra bonus for when I know the person and we have history together and we can you know that gives double insight But really, you know your your comedy journey
1: well Despite having said all that, I'm going to talk about you real quick. (laughs) One thing I remember about you was like, we're, we're hanging out one time, we're doing some show and that was the beauty. I mean, we're going to talk about how dope it was being in South Florida because I I make no mistake. That place was fucking bomb for doing comedy Hmm. in one regard. Right. Okay. Okay but I remember we were, we were doing a show and you're like, oh, I got to go because um, I got a spot at the improv, which was the thing. You know what I'm saying? If you're a South Florida comedian, to get us to have a spot, to even be in play at the improv is a big deal. And you're like, oh, I got to do a spot at the improv. I'm like, you son of a bitch. You got it. <laughs> and you're like, it's not all it's cracked up to be and this and that and sucking. I'm like, first of all, that's pretty much the only goal we have down here is having the you know, improv in and you got it. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, it's ultimately shit. And you're like, <sighs> Thanks, Reskin. You're, you're just <laughs> bursting that bubble.
0: <laughs> damn, that is, that's really interesting because uh, I had such a. That must have been the one improv show I had where everything self-destructed with my relationship with the improv. Oh, like, damn. I had a one show where I was opening for Finesse Mitchell. And it was my first weekend after working for years and getting a good amount of credit in the indie scene, and enough people being like, Why aren't you at the improv? You should be at the imp-, you know. And, uh, but I was like, you know, oh, the 10 people and da da da, and they always prey on newer comics. And that was like the older thing. So, and that was just me being like sour grapes. I don't want to even like try. But, uh, but anyway, uh, I got my first weekend and it was huge. And because I was so distant with the improv and their thing and literally just uh, one of the contacts will just hit me up hey you want to work this weekend okay da da and i was thinking all right this weekend friday saturday sunday no thursday friday saturday sunday so thursday night comes around i'm hosting an open mic and i get a call from someone at the improv like where are you
1: oh damn
0: my whole shit explodes i'm talking to the couple <laughs> comics there i'm like oh my god can i go i'll go right away i'll meet you eventually they're like no you know we're just gonna run a two-man show tonight come back tomorrow i'm like oh god but at least i didn't
1: tell you not to come back well
0: i did come back and guess yeah what? i did i had a i had a good hosting set i got the crowd moving i did my announcements i built up laughter and then the finesse and his his feature uh Kedar, i believe his name was which was very odd so i remember it uh they both decided that the show was better as a two man show from the night before. So that was the end of my career with the improv uh, down there at Miami as far as, except for just like sneaking on other 420 shows and other like random shit. So that was like huge, just like misfire, badge of shame, stupid. I blame myself and then I blamed them for not letting me know and no one had like a confirmation email or there was no like dates and times. It was literally just like a text. It's obvious you can tell I'm still uh, but it's just funny perspective-wise that like you thought I was getting some hot-shot improv stuff, and, and I was just like scraping out my foot in the door and then my foot was covered in dog shit. So.
1: <laughs> oh, oh, you saw a cool little thing. That was my personal hell. Okay, whatever. Cool, cool.
0: cool. <laughs> yeah, but that. One, also, I made what? the
1: mistake I told you before, um, in our brief uh, exchange. Early before this, I, I made the dumb mistake of cutting up onions that I'm allergic to, and my nose is runny. So I will be attempt a pinch a couple times. I'm gonna have to duck out and handle some uh some business.
0: Mm, so, I'm gonna put just, it in just that. so you
1: wonder. Just so you speaker
0: know. view, so I, we can close in on those those good nose goblins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No good. Always gotta let the that's a it's a consummate showman right there, letting the audience know something that they may be you know set them at ease. You're aware of it. Everything's cool.
1: But that's the thing, like, one other thing that I had to do, because, you know, you get these uh, messages, people like, hey, I got a podcast, you want to guess? And it's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then you never hear back from them. So when you send the message, you're like, hey, I got a podcast, you want to be on? It's like, yeah, sure, whatever. And then you're like, okay, we're doing it Friday. I'm like, oh, word? So, like, not having been, like, doing podcasts, you kind of got to get in, like, a podcast mind. And I mean that in a sense of, like, I'm a chatterbox, right? I'll go on and on, and I'll say something that – in retrospect, maybe I shouldn't have dropped that one. So I kind of had to like re find where my lines and my walls were to where I wanted to go. So if anything comes up, like I kind of had to get like back into, like I was, I was out of, out of sorts. Like i have been doing college radio podcasts, all this type of stuff for a long time. So I feel like I have a sense of, you know, keeping it moving and that kind of thing. But also you listen, we could say something on this that gets us canceled in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Hopefully (laughs) we get that
0: exciting of a conversation. But, yeah, I mean, that is the nature of the world we live in. You have to –
1: Yeah, and that's probably another reason why it's not good doing comedy, man, because that wokeness, man – I mean, don't get me wrong. Wokeness was cool on a level, but as with anything that goes to an extreme, like when I I think about, like, things that are happening uh, politically and that kind of thing, my first thought, I can't speak – out loud or type or i would be on be on a watch list right that's what this mm-hmm. world is you know has brought us to so imagine if i'm going around with microphones like now like that could that could be like some kind of problem like and people are combative as all hell and the lines are super super like even from when we were there to now i would say the lines are super tighter and people will confront you mm-hmm. about stuff like you get at the random open mic you give oh i was definitely like letting people know where i stood but there, you know, people would say, uh, uh, and you'd be like, yeah, whatever, motherfucker, shut the fuck up. And I, and I, and then if it was white first, I'd be like, that was from my ancestors.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then,
1: but like, you know, you, you, I think it would be a different, whole different scene, especially, well, and and like, that's the one well, yeah, side. of the side.
0: No, no, wokeness is a huge, that's one of the, the like giant themes of comedy right now that has changed comedy. It has its yeah. great things about it, has its terrible things about it. Um, so, when was the last time you did comedy? How long has it been?
1: <laughs> so it was, uh, I, I'm not 100% certain, but I believe the last time I was on stage was the election night, 2016. And this is when I moved back Ooh. to Connecticut and I'm at an open mic and I was at what turned out to be a Republican bar, which I didn't know at the time <laughs> because I'm like, hey, Fox News is on the TV. Oh, interesting. I'm watching the returns and I'm like, wait a second. Is that, is he? No. Mm. Yeah. And I think I was actually on stage when I recognized what was happening. And I believe that was the last time I was on stage. Not because of that, but just coincidentally. That's hard not
0: to factor that in, though. (laughs) (laughs) Something broke there, whether it was America or your will to do (laughs) stand-up.
1: Well, definitely America was, if not broken then, on the verge to being. Mm. Uh. Showing the, nuts, showing the
0: cracks. Yeah. Yes, we are seeing the cracks more than ever now in this. Yeah. And that's that's one of the things I definitely respected about your comedy back then was you didn't shy away from issues. You talked about real stuff. And as I've still been friends with you on social media since then, I've admired that as well. Like, you like to talk about real serious stuff. You're not afraid to get your hands in there. And uh, and it's not a lot. I can, I can tell that there's fucking real anger and despair and fucking... Real, you know, these are the feelings that at one point were channeled through stand up. Yeah, and now that they're not, how are they coming out?
1: I don't know. Without stand up, I feel like I'm just doing those Facebook posts. Because, I mean, I correction. I mean, I do have other creative outlets in terms of what I'm doing. Like, just as an example, like I was like, okay, I have this this energy, right? And I'm not doing stand up, so I, I needed like I was reading a bunch of. Uh, I'm I'm a writer like for career and for recreation so i was looking at a bunch of pilots that people were writing and they were just so simply premised i was like well my stuff doesn't really have like a it's like slice of life but and then it meanders in the description because there's a lot going on so i was like i need one of these simple premise you know shows so i was like okay and i was like 1975 one factor." town we follow three families one black one post hippie white family and then a family that's in the clan and it's called clan town and then i so i wrote it and and i put a lot of uh even though it's happened in 1975 you know the clan family's like we're gonna make america great again you know <laughs> so right. fake news I put, and yeah, yeah well i we didn't i didn't even go that, i didn't go that far but <laughs>
0: okay.
1: but i will definitely make the point i, I definitely make him buffoonish buffoonish frightening, you know, kind of a little bit like Black it, But yeah, that's without getting into details of it. But like, um, not that it's so fucking important, but it's just, you know, no one cares. So, so this is a big
0: thing you wrote. You wrote a pilot or a...
1: Not a big thing. It's just a pilot I wrote just, to, just as an exercise. It wasn't like I'm going to do anything with it. But mm-hmm. I still read like, you know, producers seeking scripts, looking for writer, that, blah, blah, blah. And just the other day, they said, uh, if anyone has a script with like socially relevant themes and diverse casts... Um, send the first five pages so in the first five pages of my script just because I think I'm a bomb-ass writer the there's an incident that happens that draws you in that drives the season then we meet the first three families and it happens all within the first five pages so I'm like holy shit if I was just looking for like an example to send of this thing that's like crafted exactly, so I sent it. And Now, I didn't send it with the intention of like, oh, I'm going to get this and I'm holding on. Like, I sent in a packet to SNL. I sent, you know, just while I'm here. And I, and, and I just, I do these things, but I don't do it with the expectation of it. Right, you
0: can't be too precious yeah. after a while.
1: Man, no.
0: Shocking approach,
1: so, yeah. So that's what, I, in terms of that energy, another that that is the Facebook posts and just conversations. Because
0: the, the writing, I see you as like, right, making some awesome book or even a pundit or some kind of like... Like really being able to vent your, or I mean, everyone's starting a damn podcast now. Shit,
1: I did podcasts ten years ago, and I you were doing that stuff
0: have, before stand up, right?
1: Yeah, oh, hell yeah, I was. Yeah, because how long and, um, did
0: you do stand up for? Five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but and before that, when did you start doing a public speaking kind of entertainment presentation, whatever it is?
1: That was high school. High school, I was doing the morning. Well. I hosted in the second grade. I hosted the talent show with my buddy Tim. Um, hosted the talent show in the second grade, and that was when I was like, "Oh, word!" So that a was like, feedback. "Oh, and then, got a little,
0: oh, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah man." People and, like this juice. Know, when do you ever, as a child, have the opportunity to be in front of a crowd of people and? You know, just get that reaction. That's, like, not something you can simulate or have described to you. You can only experience it. And I mm. think maybe – and then also, even though I have absolutely no memories of it whatsoever, my mom tells me that I was on this show on PBS via Allegra, which I have no recollection of, but if it, it was, like, a PBS show that aired, like, after, you know, Mr. Rod or whatever, huh. you know. And and I was a kid on it. I have no remembrance of it whatsoever. But being around those cameras and in a studio or something, something must have clicked. Not enough to make me remember it, but you know, something must have. <laughs> well,
0: good luck because we actually got the clip right now. <laughs> <Where's the> clip?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great because I've looked, man.
0: We got good research team here. Uh, they're all cats, but uh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So so it's interesting. Like I'm starting to find a theme where people who've done stand up comedy are kind of bigger than the stand-up comedy sometimes. Like, there's a, a, the the classic mindset is once you get into stand-up, it is an all-consuming God, and you can contribute every ounce of energy you have to it, and you will still never perfectly understand it, but it demands you give everything you can to it. And if you do other, if improv, if you do art, if you do dance, you're you're wasting your time for stand-up. But I'm finding that so many people that do stand-up, stand-up is just one hat. That they can end up wearing. And, you know, maybe it gives you a new skill set or, but beyond like, once you get over that identity of just like, I'm a comic, comic for life. I had that for so long that like, it's cool to be on the other side of it now because I almost feel like more of a comic as a non comic than when I was as a regular comic because I'm like making fun of that whole culture now from the back. And it's like, that's what comics do. Like, I'm not saying I'm not. And I still haven't stopped performing and stuff too. This is like a, this is ultimately an exploration of like where this takes me, you know, a, a re-examination of the relationship instead of like, am I off or am I on? Like, it's not that simple, you know, like I did stand up for 14 fucking years. It's a part of me, but also I didn't want to do it anymore. So I just kind of stopped. Yeah. So like, How long have what you been was off? your process? Not that long. I had a show, I had a monthly show up until last year. So Cassidy, ha-ha. yeah, I, I restarted it here in... Denver and uh, it was definitely fun but it was it was different it was different vibes you know I didn't grow yeah. along with the show I was in a different point My relationship with comedy had changed in the scene and it was fun at first but then the less I went out the less I got to like notice new talent and who's doing great and that's how you truly like curate the best shows is you really have, to have your finger on the pulse um, but it was a way to keep me going and stuff so it hasn't even it hasn't really been that long but um what was what was your process of walking away from comedy? Was it disillusionment? Was it quick? Was it short? I mean long?
1: And it was an easy decision because, you know, as you know, South Florida, like I said, it was, was, my time in Florida was like a fantasy for six years. The entire time I was there was a fantasy and I'm grateful to not recognize it as being a fantasy in retrospect. And I appreciate it as the fantasy that it was while I was in it. And Hmm. it's now like my happy place and my happy memories. But when it came time to, you know, move back here, for decisions that I'm perfectly fine with, even though I'm back somewhere I don't enjoy.
0: What was the um, decision? It was it life stuff? It's...
1: Uh, my dad passed and hmm. my brother was kicking around, you know, in the, it was like a quick, not quick kind of end form. So my brother was kicking around doing stuff and I was mostly on the phone because I couldn't just fly back and forth and everything. And I felt massively guilty. And then the fact that like we still had a mom, someone I had to look out for. And I also felt something was going to happen this is before trump even was elected but i felt something was not necessarily this but i felt something was pending it was just something in the air and i needed to be near my family and friends just just to be like because you know i was i was on my own down there you know what i'm saying like hmm. you, you know hundreds of people and no one at the same time
0: which, yeah that's very know, miami. my experience that's a miami right. t-shirt right there yeah
1: so, um, I wanted to, I I needed to be back here and I was thinking maybe it'd be for a period of time and I'd go somewhere else or whatever. But the bottom line is I, I want it back here. And, um, Connecticut is not as, um, show friendly as South Florida, South Florida. We were doing that thing where we were getting up some weeks, seven nights a week, and some nights you could get up four sets a night in four different venues. You know what I'm saying? Like we, got that, we were yeah, bouncing around. It was, it was f- killer. And so the idea of being in Connecticut and, one night I was driving and it was dark and cold and miserable and I got there and something about South Florida audiences, man, there's beautiful people in those audiences no matter the show you're at. Mm-hmm. And in Connecticut, it is not the same story. <laughs> so as I'm, as I'm, as I'm um, yeah. driving through this horrible drive to this bumfuck fucking bar that quite honestly, if I saw a Confederate flag, I would not have been surprised. And the fucking, the crowd was just like, Ugh. and then I did another show and something that led to something where, oh, I won a contest. I wound up hosting the next week and I'm dancing. Woman's shoving dollars down my pants is some kind of, I don't know how we even got there. And I'm looking at her like, why am I doing this? With, and I'm just like, uh, and I know I'm no prize myself. But when you go from the fucking beautiful South Florida to the Bog Creek swamp sky where I'm at now and it's like, Oh man, the motivation for the crowds is just like ugh. And then it yeah. would be like, hey, there's a new open mic an hour away from where you are. Like <laughs> wow, I was wait. finding the <laughs> I was finding the comedy in like here's the state of Connecticut. Mm. Picture the state of Connecticut, my little box here. I live like centrally located, like right there. They'd be like, there's a new open mic. Here. There's a new open mic. Here. There's a new open mic. Boom! And I'm like, fuck you, man. Damn.
0: You thought Florida was, so was bad like, for driving. That's ridiculous.
1: It, and, and the thing is, like, even when we, I was a South Florida comic, so I was between Miami, Fort Lauderdale, and West Palm shows would be maybe once, maybe twice a month. You know, it was infrequent. Which is a three-hour. So, yeah. About. Yeah. So, um, So even those drives were better. Because uh it was warm, you blasting your music, you're fuck, you're cool, you're going to a show, you're jacked <laughs> from the show on the and ride back. You got back. A squad waiting
0: for you at the show. That's oh,
1: that, that's a Connecticut thing. That was a. If I saw the future, I probably would have said, my, mind you, one of those drives back was from. I, I had to go up to Delray to pick up a check from doing a show, and it was just pick up a check and just, just to go get back a check.
0: Come on, yeah,
1: yeah, but on the way back, I wound up getting the worst car accident of my entire life. Car was totaled. I could have died. Easy. I I wound oh. up. But anyway, and even that was better.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so oh, yeah, I'm not hearing a lot of strong things about Connecticut. Connecticut. Connecticut doesn't like
1: me either. That's the only reason and plus I've been here like for a long time before I got the fuck out. And now that I'm back, and it's more the same energy and it's just because. Like, and that was one of the things like I had a journey of like, you say, What do I do with that energy of comedy? It was like, okay. If I'm not putting all that, because that was consuming, you know what I'm saying? And if I'm not working on comedy, what am I going to work on? I need work. And the one of the reasons I left in the first place, because this place depressed the fuck out of me, like it was fucking depressing. And I moved back and it was just kind of quick and I just felt that old feeling and it's like, after being away for so long and then coming back and feeling that old feeling of why I left, I was like, ooh, I need to work on myself. So mm. <laughs> that was kind of what I did for a little while, which was really just get my head in a place where I'm not gonna be defeated by this place, you know, cause it was really kicking my ass like hardcore before I left and being away from it and being able to laugh at it made me stronger. And now, now that I'm here, it's like, I have developed enough coping skills to put up with this shit.
0: Huh. It's funny how you see Miami as kind of this like paradise getaway um, before and like after you came back home to Connecticut, because I almost see it. It's kind of mixed. I see it in reverse having left Miami born and raised there and then gone to Denver, Mm. which is just like completely different city as far as just attitude.
1: Oh yeah. Now uh, in what way? Because I know Miami is like beautiful chaos what is Denver?
0: Denver is is earthy earnestness. It's like people trying and the people are like people are facing at least in the right direction. Like the city seems to care about the people that live there. And instead of, hey, maybe the people coming to be tourists or maybe the crazy foreign developers who are buying giant high rises on the beach all this crazy development. There's just like Miami is so muddled that it's hard to find the groups that are really caring about the communities and they're there and they're fighting mm-hmm. hard. But yeah. in Denver, like I have healthcare for the first time in my life from the system that works. I'm getting unemployment benefits from working for the first time in my life. Whereas in Florida, it's a fucking nightmare right now. With yeah. just, I would not be getting a damn thing. And and that, you know, is it easier for an artist to survive in a city? that's going to contribute to the level of art that's going to contribute to the comedian. Can the comedian survive on a little part-time job? Can they get a little assistance? Can they, can they get rides and have a, even just a smaller city, even just being able to do sets like Miami's very spread out. You know, Mm -hmm. if you could get more than two in a night, you were very lucky to be able to set that up.
1: Well, see, that's the thing. I was doing shows that weren't on the typical comedy menu, right? Like there were the shows that, you know, were the typical, your Elwoods and your, you know. Um, oh, my Chester show is one Bobby, of the like,
0: typical shows? Oh, cool.
1: Elwoods was one of the, you know, there's like, there was the marquee shows that, you know, you want. there were like the typical open mics that, you know, whatever. And I then there were some clubs. The
0: shows. Right. Because like the clubs was such a small influence down there. It's almost like you have oh, yeah. the, the tier one independent shows and then the tier two independent shows, which I'm yeah. guessing is what you're saying. is like.
1: Yeah. yeah, uh,
0: alternate stuff.
1: So, yeah. So I would be, and then there were the shows that were just like, Cause I remember one time I did like one of my first black shows, which it took me a minute to get my balls up to even do. Right. Hmm. So once I finally got in there and I wound up meeting some of the black comedians down there, um, studio 504 with rest in peace, Daryl Crittenden. He had like him and his boys, they put together like a, like a a hang and they got like a, a space in like a store, a storefront, like a strip mall. And they, they tricked it out and had like a studio upstairs and they would do shows downstairs and it was really cool hang. Hmm. And that was, oh my God, even now I'm thinking of stories from, cause there were a couple shows we did there. One show was one comedian who he was bombing so hard. It was like, he will never recover. This is glorious to watch. And then, he flipped it 180 degrees and fucking was killing it. Wow. It's like, this is the most amazing <laughs> thing I ever saw. Then he smelled himself, flipped it right back around. <laughs> it was one of the most amazing sets. And then, the host that night was my buddy Jay, and he's like, i never seen it before. A guy comes up, he's bombing. He kills and then he bombs again. <laughs> oh man, so many good memories. So anyway, that was the, yeah, so that was the first black show I did, and then I met some of the black comedians, and it's like, yo, there's a whole lot of shows down here. You're doing those shows, then there's these shows, and that was like a whole nother like thing was opened up there. And
0: did you end up doing more shows in the black circuit?
1: Not big time. Uh, I did them sporadically. But I w- it wasn't, like, a staple. Like, when it comes to the black rooms, I found myself doing more of the – and that's the beautiful thing about Miami. There's genres of everything. So there's the black hood rooms, and then there's the black, like, Caribbean Haitian rooms, right? right? And then there's the black uh, poetry rooms, which are, are all their own thing. And then there's a bunch of private parties because, like, Haitians and Jamaicans do private parties. So I found myself doing, like, uh, churches and, like, birthday parties. Backyards and
0: stuff, hell yeah.
1: No, never – There wasn't a backyard, but there was one Easter that fell on a 420, and it was a church thing, and it was outdoors, and the sun was beaming down, and and people were eating, and it was like, it was a hell, typically, it would have been a hell gig, but we were having such a blast with it, it was like, it is cool, you know, no one was dying up there, but it was just, everything was against us, and it was such a loud loudspeaker, you're like, it was the block thing and, and the sounds were, it was just large. And it was, it was it's so many of those like experiences.
0: Yeah. Man. Yeah. yeah. People don't understand that just like lights, sound stage and a room are like the basic ingredients to make comedy incredible. <laughs> and like it's, when you do shows with none of those things, it's like, that's really what forges it in the fire.
1: You guys have been standing out in the sun for three hours. The line for the food is now open coming up next.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I remember I did a, uh, a room, I did a black church once and it was like to, to get a gig in the Caribbean. Um, which I was like, Oh, cool, I'm gonna be having this Caribbean but the Caribbean gig was a bunch of like crazy wealthy yacht owners. So I was like, Where the hell does that even which was the worst audience ever? Just people that are like, I just caught the biggest boss of my life. Um, uh, my servants are gassing up the yacht. Oh, a comedy show. Interesting. But yeah, not everywhere has that culture. Not everywhere has oh. that diversity in rooms too, which no. is you know, which what's makes one of the things that makes Miami special is a place to come yeah. up, but also, one of the things that makes me scratch my head is to like why we aren't a major comedy city. I mean, I can give you 10 reasons why we're not, but like yeah. I still scratch my head like we deserve it. We're a great art city. You know,
1: I don't think it's a. I think it's um, it's just because it's so sequestered. It's it's such its own thing, you know, like even if you're wanting to get out you can't really get out. I was really surprised when I saw that, that Kevin Hart did his heart in the city down there. Yeah. And you know, that was really cool. That was a good look. So it's it's not as though we're not getting the recognition and you know, and comedians go down there to work out. I wish I'd ever known about one of the times Chris Rock showed up at the West Palm Improv to do his stuff, mm-hmm. you know, to just work his stuff out. But you know, and that was one of the things that I wish that the community was, We the, the great failure of the South Florida comedy community in my opinion, was the lack of cohesiveness and everything there was everybody was a chief. And I can't fault everybody because we're in a super narcissistic, ego driven mm. thing. But if we if we had like some kind of cohesion where like if I'm starting a like a podcast page and there's 350 comedians on Facebook that, you know, in South Florida, how come my page isn't instantly at 350? as opposed to, you know what I'm saying? Like, where's this for, you don't have to like it, just like it and unfollow. I just need the numbers. Like if everyone did that for everyone that that would have made a super dope community. Like you could see that people were leaving. So what if we had it? So like, I, like an underground railroad comedian. So, like, you're in New York. Hey, look, guess who has a place to crash in New York? You're over here. Guess who has a place to crash over here? Like, Figler I mean, yeah. and and his degenerates passed through. I was a little offended. They didn't want to crash. I got a shit ton of space. Like, my place is, I got space. You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> so, it's right. like, I was like, yo, you could have crashed here, but they stayed in hotels, whatever. It's like, all right, whatever. It's cool. Like, they came through, so it was nice. And sure, sure. I, you that, can't take it personally. Yeah, it's like, we all could have, like, helped each other. So they're out a little bit more if we were more of a, but that's just retrospect, you know, no, Monday morning quarterback. That's a huge
0: point because it's, well, here's the thing. If we were doing improv, we would have.
1: Yeah, but then we'd be improv people. That's a team sport.
0: Yeah. We're, we're in a solo dolo sport. This is like, there's a lone wolf aspect to the whole stand-up thing. It's like, yes, you're supporting your peers at every moment, but yet there's only one spot up there and I'm going to have to slit your throat for it tonight. Who you knows like In the form of doing comedy. Uh, I fortunately
1: never got that to that point where it was like, yo. I mean, I didn't like some people and I was vocal about it, but mm -hmm. I thought they were cancer and I was, you know, I just thought I was helping to stop the spread of cancer. Didn't work. (laughs) But at the same time, you know, I, uh, uh, you know, there was, I I didn't have that, you know, killer be killed kind of thing. Oh, I, I, what, you know, there was people that weren't funny and I would at most give them a. You no, know, he likes doing what he does, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. you know. But I wouldn't be like, yo, fuck that, you know. This is a piece sure. of shit, you know. I, I that that wasn't me. And I will tell you another thing that was that really boggled my mind was there were people that were ordained as being someone that was worth something or someone that was worth you know checking out or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wasn't one of those people. I'm not in life. I accept it. Whatever. Self awareness. Hey. But I had for two and a half years a Monday night writers' room. Right. That had and it was provided by you know some people I met in the improv class and they gave us a storefront and it was um, they gave us two large pizzas every week every week there was a a mic with a mic stand and an amp we had a computer and a large screen so we could pull up comedy sketches there was a a stocked refrigerator with beers, water sodas, ice cream in the freezer. What? We could smoke in there. I we was gone already, for... right?
0: That's just, just, nah, you
1: were. now nah, you were around because that stopped like a little bit. In, yeah, I was. Damn, why early didn't I go to room. this
0: ship, idiot?
1: I don't. No one did. <laughs> I mean, it was like a steady group of people, and it was cool. And we we would hang Monday, and then afterwards there was usually a you know Churchill on Monday, so you could do that. Bounce over to Churchill's, or um, Ciro even started his over there. So there were opportunities to do a set or do a little writers meeting, then go do go out and do a you know. And it was a cool setup, but you know what are you going to do? I promoted, I, well, you know, as much as you can on Facebook, whatever, but yeah, people, you know, people would pop in once or twice. And then like, someone would be like, Hey man, you doing that Monday night? I yeah, but there's no crowd. It's just really just writer's room. Right. And, uh, and people would go up and have time and work out their set. So it was productive. And mm-hmm. Darius, you know, Culpepper was one of the guys that was there and he yeah. was doing pretty good. And he, he was regular. He was like, yo, that was really beneficial. You know? So,
0: <laughs> you know, for sure yeah try that that's one of the things like i also ran a an open mic at moonshine that was like half open mic half writer's room because uh, like maybe we didn't have enough people to make it an open mic but that's one of the like things that i will think about sometimes is the amount of effort expended in miami if i had done it in a more cohesive comedy scene but just like wondering if you'd get more mileage with the efforts you made in a different location you know, or even in a different time, maybe, you know,
1: or, you know, your one city, it would not have supported it. Cause you would only have had a certain amount of comedians. The thing with Casa de Jaja and the Elwood shows was, it seemed like on those shows, there was like of eight or nine spots. There'd be three or four spots that were the same, you know, rotating and then a mixture underneath. Yeah. So, I mean, and I get your structure in the show and you want to have some solids in there. So that's, you know, it makes perfect sense to me, but you okay. know, there was a, uh, I don't know if you did your your same thing in a different city, you might not have had the ability to structure those shows like that because there might not have been the stable of comics. Maybe yeah, maybe no. Interesting. But I, I feel like everything that happened in Miami was supposed to happen the way it happened. <laughs> in miami like what what else could have happened you know what i'm saying like what else could have happened it's not like people were going to come down to oh there's three counties of comedy and plus plantation i gotta make my way down to south florida
0: baby. i mean that's where the new improv is which is crazy i mean that that was one of the things we didn't have an improv for years and like i don't know comedy works does a great a, a really good job of like growing local talent and making an effort to like give comedians a kind of pathway of like you get two minutes on your first new talent night and you can work your way up to getting a three minute slot, work your way up to getting a four minute slot, and then work your way up to getting a almost famous slot where you maybe host once in a while. And there's a whole thing where it's like, Miami was just like, bring 10 people, get five minutes. Okay. Bye. (laughs) And if you didn't bring that, you got nine people, maybe. Sorry. You just reminded me
1: of a fucking nightmare experience was, (laughs) I did one of those uh I did the class improv class and at the end you know you, you do the show who taught
0: it Ramon this He's was the guy. one Neary,
1: Neary taught Neary yeah
0: he was on my last so, pod
1: so I didn't bring anybody to the show because I didn't know anybody you know what I'm saying I, I didn't know I'm not asking people from work to come to the <laughs> fuck
0: that was it because you didn't ass- know them or because you didn't want to like be like hey come see me do this incredibly complicated thing for the first fucking time
1: yeah. Nice to meet you. Would you buy- no. want No. I just
0: suck at something awesome. Like- <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, so It just wasn't in the cars of me asking anybody. And so we get to the show night and he doesn't put me on the lineup after I paid for this fucking course. And Ooh. this is the finale. He's like, yeah, you didn't bring anybody. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? And then something happened. And, um, and then he's like, yeah, I'll put you on. And I'm like, you'll put me on. Ever since then, I, I just, you know when something yeah. just gets a bad taste in your mouth, oh, yeah. you just can't.
0: Even though it's usually pay or bring, not both.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: well. No, you know, I'm that's, that's paid complete asshole. I don't, yeah, I don't.
1: <laughs> Hadn't thought about that in forever.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, back to flame and you're like, what the? F-?
1: But you know what, too? The, the memories thing on Facebook with all the shows and posts and all that stuff, it, you are constantly reminded of what you used to do, you know?
0: Yeah. So so you haven't done stand-up for, what, a good couple of years? Three, four years, yeah, you said?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, Actually, and here's what's it? funny.
1: In a sense. In a mm. sense. I, Go on, yeah. I know it, like, right before COVID happened, I was going to do a set. Straight up, I was going to an open mic, I was working it out in my head, and it was going to be a nightmare, and I knew it. Not not a nightmare, but I knew I was going to be the person with all the regulars, like, who's this old-ass motherfucker taking up time on this fucking show, <laughs> just fucking sucking their own dick on stage? I was like, yeah, I'm going to be that guy. Screw you guys. And I had my set set, like, in my head, because all I think about is how Hartford sucks and Miami is awesome. And I was going to do, like, a thing of, like, like – things that have gotten worse from then to now and then like and then always look on the bright side of life (laughs) did it did it and then go into the next thing and just keep on doing that till the clock round down then bright side alive that was gonna be the set and that was like oh I can I do that all day so that was gonna be my set and then oh no more mics so it was like COVID crushed (laughs) that little uh experiment
0: I I mean, is there a big Monty Python crowd over there in Connecticut?
1: (laughs) They were going to get it anyway.
0: Not only were you going to spend the entire time shitting on the, the place that the people all live in and how it was so much better <laughs> like somewhere else. You're, yeah, with some some uh, offshoot references of British comedy from the 70s that they're gonna- I might have said, really because love. all
1: you ugly motherfuckers in this room right here.
0: <laughs> I like it, become a more combative comedian, become more like, yay, fuck you, you can't handle this.
1: Man, what's your, do you remember your worst heckle like off the top of your head?
0: top of my head I never had one that like self-destructed they all about your automatic
1: worst set top of your head
0: yeah oh yeah definitely that one
1: yeah yeah (laughs) was it Miami or Denver
0: it was an offshoot show in mid Florida at a college it was a college show at Eckerd University and yeah it was long story short it was they had no idea comedy was gonna happen there was I was I was opening I was opening for like a psychedelic DJ who was a friend of mine and all the kids wanted to, they were like, all right, we all took our drugs, perfectly timed them with the flashing lights and laughter, I mean, and, uh, you know, music we're about to experience. And then I came on stage and I, I just had, yeah, you know, my jokes are bad, but I remember just saying one joke about like, this was dated as fuck, but like Miley Cyrus recently just did a photo shoot as Marilyn Monroe. It's interesting how she's emulating her career and now she'd only do the next part, an overdose or something like that. You know, it was like a, a caddy bad joke back when, I like Miley now, but she was more of like a joke. Know, joke figure. Yes. And uh, I just remember someone yelling, Why is that funny? <laughs> I was I, like,
1: I might die in overdose. Oh <laughs> fuck, I'm about to. <laughs>
0: yeah. And it was a disaster. I cut a 20-minute set short to like five minutes. And then while everyone partied, I went and sat in my car like far enough away to be alone, but close enough to see the party and just like brooded in pain. It was just, Awful, and that was the set that I asked Louis C.K. how it was going to go the week before, way long ago, way pre-me to Louis, and uh, mm-hmm. he said it's probably going to go terribly. It's probably going to be awful, but you're going to learn a lot from it, and I did. So, uh,
1: hey, right? Did you see his latest special?
0: I did not. I did not see it. I've heard it's comedically sound. <laughs> that's that's all I could say. Have you?
1: I did. It was exactly that. It was perfectly fine. You know, it was good. And in terms of like. I can't really watch entire specials, but I was able to sit through the entirety of his special. like in Because hmm. that's a question,
0: right? Do you still watch comedy now?
1: Can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> it's, it's not that, and, but I couldn't while I was doing it either. Like hmm. I would like as a scholastic adventure, but like Dave Chappelle, Sticks and Stones, that's quickly become like one of my favorite of all time, you know? And with Eddie Murphy's pending return, I was excited for that. But I watched – did you watch any Jerry Seinfeld's Netflix uh, special?
0: No, it just came out, right?
1: Yeah. I, no, I, I watched four minutes of it, and I was like, is this a George Carlin tribute or robbery? I'm not really sure what I'm watching right now. Wow. But now it could have developed – I granted, I only gave it four minutes. Sure. But even a lot of wordplay,
0: a lot of like, why do we call this this and this and this?
1: Yeah, you have a million. All I could think about, and this, I don't know, and, and again, it's me, but it's like all these problems you're having are bullshit because you ride in a private jet and you have a private driver, and uh, you're just fucking making shit up to say your funny little worky words. And I am, I'm, I'm not falling for it. And yeah. that's the wrong perspective to watch comedy. <laughs> that's a
0: huge. I mean, we're this is society right now. Where do we separate the art from the artists? Can we let you know from Woody Allen to Aziz, you know, on the scales of Aziz severity and stuff? Aziz. Special was incredible. Yeah, I think it was yeah. fantastic and the way he addressed the controversy, I think was hit the head on the nail perfectly.
1: For and you and I, for someone else. Not enough. yeah.
0: That's that's fair. I think but you know, as far as public consensus was, he's he's been passed. But Louis, did he uh in your consensus, I heard he addressed the controversy in his special. Do you think he addressed it in a way where that the public would be ready to, to no give him a
1: <laughs> the know? public that understands where Louis's coming from. Yes. The public that, you know what I'm saying? I, and the thing about Louis and I mean, f- fucking, what am I going to get canceled from, you know? But the thing about uh-huh. Louis to me is they're treating him as Weinstein. Like him and Weinstein are the same. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm sure you've seen Chappelle's take on it. It's like, really? Someone pulled their dick out and you, and he it broke your spirit. Yeah. Uh, Maybe your <laughs> spirit wasn't as strong in the first place. It's like, okay, let me ask you this. Like, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but when it comes to this woman dealing with Biden, who I don't love in the first place, right? How the fuck we went from Aziz to here. Sorry for doing that to you. No,
0: that's, yeah. I, I'm
1: perplexed. Like, is your, like, her switching story to me, and I haven't even investigated deeply. Mm-hmm. Her switching story to me is a lot like those Michael Jackson kids. Like, look, you're never going to fucking get me off Michael Jackson until you actually prove to me he did some shit. Otherwise, a shut the fuck up. I need proof. You motherfuckers have fluctuating stories, right? So now mm. this lady, like, we're supposed to ignore the Kavanaugh shit, all the Trump shit for this one sketchy story with all his shit on I don't even like Biden. I'm like, I don't want to say... Have you heard? Have you
0: heard the story? Sketchy, because from what I heard, it was it had just as much uh, like confirmation as like Kavanaugh stuff, which is what makes this seem like it's such a double standard on the Democrat side. Because when for Kavanaugh's accusers, everyone went all out, full army, but now that we have someone Tara Reid who has, from what I understood, very credible uh allegations that are being confirmed by like relatives other people in her life and now they're not releasing biden's records and all this stuff like that uh it seems like a complete double standard from the democrats and from a lot of the me too movement and stuff like that um have what okay. I'm gonna have to heard have that her story because i've heard her stories evolved which is not uncommon as far as victims yeah. like releasing yeah. their stories over time it's a traumatic thing and uh-huh. sometimes you know yeah. You don't seem terribly convinced by, by Listen, that. But. It's
1: not even the story. I don't go. A, Al Franken. All right. That was bullshit. A picture yeah, where he's boom. We lost Al Franken. He was Franken. a
0: comedian at the time. He was not a we senator. Played, at the time. We
1: played this game already. All yes. right. In terms mm-hmm. of my perspective, we played this fucking game. All right. We lost. They played the same exact fucking game and they keep fucking winning. I'm not going to put the fucking wheel, the, the fucking broomstick in the spoke of our fucking shit. For, for, for no, no, we're not doing it. We're not, we're, they have changed the game. We are, they're not playing this fucking well, game by the same rules.
0: I mean, the Republican civil is sunk lower. That's the whole thing. Do you wanna, are you gonna sink to their level? Or, I mean, I understand. We
1: have, we, we have a choice.
0: I mean, I'm 100% not one of those people who's gonna throw Biden out just because he's horrible in a certain level. I he's realize a, Trump horrible is horrible in many horrible. ways. Trump is, <laughs> to me, Trump is horrible on. Every single point more than Biden, and for me, it's worth it to get a less horrible option. For many people, it's always
1: the choice—the less horrible choice, right?
0: Yeah, it's. I'm amazed at the 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 huge amount of people that are just like never Biden people. Like I, I understand why, and I understand that like the progress coming as a progressive and someone who's more left than the left base of the party is like they don't give a fuck about us because they know we have nowhere to go with our vote. We're gonna vote for the Green Party, we're gonna vote for the other side. No. So they turn their attention to wooing the middle people, the people yeah. on the other side, and while like yeah. totally ignoring everything on our side that makes the whole movement interesting and special. Mm,
1: yeah. Yeah. I don't know, it's fucking strange. And the thing about the Democratic primaries, it was disappointing, but at the same time, there was a couple people, a few people I liked. So I was like, okay, cool. You know, I like. Alan, I like Yang, Alan Yang. I like Elizabeth Warren. I like Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders want to be my dude. Yeah.
0: You just a- cnn <laughs> end him. They called him like Stephen Wang or something. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, no, I- yeah, There are a lot of interesting, charismatic people who are far better than Biden. That's the whole weird thing is that like we are left with the person who many people thought was just the last tired dog in the race. By, I don't know. By putting their foot on Bernie's neck yet again, I'm just like,
1: Oh, my gosh. I'm
0: so out of be a democrat i almost want to unregister as a democrat if it didn't take away my ability to vote in a primary
1: or uh, something but like uh, it's, it, i don't know so comedy anyway <laughs> so back to the ruggedy woo woo yeah.
0: um, <laughs> so it seems like you had very a lot of comedians walking away from comedy is excruciating it's extremely excruciating that was both of those words in one to them Uh, it seems like it was less so to you. It seems like you had to deal with some shit and you appreciated Miami for what it was. And then you were, you were, you know, comedy was by no means one of the major factors by which you made your life decisions.
1: I, it was a large, it was a large part of my life, but I'm an adapter. Like I just, I just see what what's in front of me and accept the reality because you know managing expectations has been a big big lesson in my life so if i'm looking at the scene and looking what i have to deal with and all the pieces that i have to play with an early fucking pcp fucking run taught me the i the the importance of creating the world that that you got to live in
0: sorry pcp <laughs>
1: Angel dust. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, <laughs> this is like you know, performance years center ago. of the no right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> performance control, prescription. For, 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 but no, like years yeah, ago, yeah. man. Because that's another thing that Hartford was really big for in the '90s was angel dust. So.
0: Bullshit.
1: Yeah, and so we had some really good chefs, and you know, you get huh. a good bag, and you're on, you're off. But one of the things that I teaches understand, you,
0: you can run full straight, full speed on two broken legs.
1: That's what they say. I did. Fortunately, did not have the experience. However, I did have the experience of having uh, uh, someone that I was with convinced that they needed to climb under a car. And, uh, but that was the whole, for safety anyway, purposes,
0: for, I mean, I for life reasons, for, obviously for, I mean, significant reasons.
1: Psychedelic. I don't know. I don't consider Angel Dust a psychedelic, but it's no definitely a mind trip that takes you well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it takes you like to some places, interesting places in your head and it teaches you some interesting things among them, how to reconstruct your, your being. Wow. And it wasn't something that I, put together until later but it's like the experience of smoking pcp when you have a good bag because there's good and bad mm. you have a good bag you smoke it you, you you drift to blackness to nothingness then nothing exists and then molecule by molecule you're putting everything back together so you'll be like like the elements of your life will be like and then you got that you know and it's just like you're going to space and then you're coming back and you're Rebuilding everything, wow. and the process of watching it rebuild is so fucking fascinating. That's how addicts are born.
0: <laughs> so sold me. I'm ready to try. it. Sounds like Doctor Manhattan from the Watchmen. You're just like a
1: did you watch Molecular that?
0: Guy? It was incredible.
1: Yeah, awesome, awesome.
0: I think it should be required watching. It like taught me so many things. It was just great film. and you just great cinemas everything, acting, cinematography, story. And there's not going to be more of it. That's what's so perfect about it. I hate it, yes, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> like I want more, but I know I shouldn't, and I know it won't they, be as good.
1: Nope. Even if they did, like an anthology style and just wanted a completely different story, I don't know if they'd be able to match it. it you know, but yeah. But.
0: <clears throat> I heard Tusa, uh, Tulsa added uh, new points in their education program to like talk about that massacre.
1: Well. As much as I have to hear these goddamn yahoos talking about their fucking Confederate heritage and their history and its fucking history, yeah, teach that shit too. Teach it. You know, Confederate flags are trolls. Confederate statues are trolling. Fuck you. Fuck your statue and fuck your ideology. I hope you, you need – yeah.
0: Yeah, no, hey man, <laughs> all the statues are – super young and like yeah have nothing to do with the people that think they are do stuff and how we record history it doesn't necessarily have to be fucking statues we got books god damn it but uh enough to- oh one yeah, thing yeah. i did
1: want to hit on i know you're looking at your list there one thing i did, if you ever want to hear an example of just a reason that i was like ugh, like first of all you, earlier you brought up the thing of like having an affinity for stand-up and respect for it whatever and when I hear people talk about comedy, critiquing it without having done it, it kind of gets me, it kind of like, you don't, did you ever, do you know what it's like to be up there? I kind of get that trip. It's like, and then did you see his standups? Did you see his standups? His nah! skit? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Do your skit for me. Here's an annoying thing. Speaking of, uh, when, when you were a comedian and people found out and they said, hey, tell me a joke. What would you say?
1: Your mother's a whore. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. Or I would go to the my one of my favorite jokes from my own set, which got me boot off an Apollo-like show, and not boot off in the <laughs> sense that like it was bad, but boot off in the sense that it is so bad, your natural reaction is. One guy went. Boo! And the rest of the Apollo crowd was like, Boo! And I was like, no, nah. but I even stood there because they were like, nah. It was the most controversial booing off an Apollo like show in the history of the overtown fucking theater. But my the joke was, hey, what's you know what's nuts? Testicles. You know, that's, <laughs> that that's a good like a, it's a simple boom, 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 you know. Hey, that's oh, another man. good one
0: I do. There was no yeah. fathers in the in the crowd that night. <laughs> Solid dad joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's nuts. <laughs> Uh, so do you have any regrets about comedy do you have any like things that you wish you had done differently about it and made things would have ended up differently or if you could have given yourself advice now to start to your starting self
1: I that first of all to even have an answer means that I sat around being like oh good unfortunately thank god because I would have been that person before but I'm not there and I don't do that so I don't really have any regrets about any of it man i mean there are things that you could have done different you know but that's just life in general you know in terms of like uh no there's nothing i can think of that i would have done different really i mean i know that i wasn't like uh maybe i might have tried some youtube shit or something but you know fuck that you know Uh, diversify
0: your comedy exploits
1: yeah, but you know, I was very very focused and I I, I was cool with it, you know? I, everything uh, without that was was fine. I mean, if anything I probably would have uh No, I can not I really can't think yeah. of anything I would have done. No. That's
0: that's healthy as hell, Good. <laughs> that's the not, most uh, yeah. yeah, that's the outlier. What were you going to reach for?
1: No, I was reach I was it had nothing to do with comedy. It's just some the first thing I thought regretfully was just you know, pre- interpersonal situations, but not an absence of comedy on top of that. It was just, you know, beautiful women that I had opportunities with and I fucked up. That's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about regrets in Miami.
0: <laughs> yeah, me too, oddly enough. Just a lot of, yeah, a lot of mis- growing up and bad, stupid things. Uh, did yeah.
1: comedy affect
0: your, the way you socialize?
1: hundred percent. Like from then to, like, even then I knew in conversation, I was slipping in material, trying it out in conversation. That's, you know, you know, you're doing that. But one thing that definitely happened, it was, it gave me a boldness. One of the first things I did when I came back was there was a, like a reunion of, you know, high school people. And there was a dude, he was, you know, we were cool enough, but he always was like, you know, if we're playing the status game, he was an alpha versus my beta or whatever. And I was i was never like an alpha person, you know, in my head I am and people treat me beta, which is what throws me into anger is when people don't treat you the uh. way you yourself as. But anyway, this dude, he's like, what's up, what's up, baby bro? What's up, little guy? Hey, you know that little guy. It wasn't like that dismissive. But Chief it was, like, baby it was yeah, like, yeah, like like things like that. And I'm like, are you nagging me? Do you <laughs> think you're like an, an international player? And I like, I totally just fucking flipped it on him. And I was like, yeah I was like yeah man like I'm not the same person like I'm I've definitely changed you are not getting you are not running one over on me mm-hmm. this is not happening there is never going to be a situation where I'm going to back down like at work I tell people that are definitely higher than me on the food chain where they stand because what is the worst that's going to fucking happen? That's the same way that I've approached the stage after a little while, after I mm. learned, what is the fucking worst that's going to happen? Where is that fear coming from? Eliminate that shit and move the fuck on. That is what I brought into life, and that is what made me a stronger uh-huh. person.
0: Do, do you think that because you've learned to say things that are hard to say in a way that's easier to take, that that's part of it? Like you've always wanted to say these things like calling the boss out, but like it's not easy to do all the time.
1: I well without getting fired. Know. No, well I did call it my boss one day. One day my boss comes over to me and he could have fired me. He comes up Lamont, this is my first start. I've just moved back to Connecticut and and, and he's like, Lamont, where's this? Where's this? And I know my shit and I'm I, I have my confidence and everything and I knew I I didn't know what he was and he was leading me down to hopefully finding me having fucked up at the end. So he's mm-hmm. walking me through without telling me where he's going with it. Ultimately, this is what made him give me the respect that I fucking demanded going forward was he was trying to lead me down this path to where at the end he was going to find. Ultimately, he told me to do one thing. I did what he told me to do. He got it twisted and expected something different. So I was like, you told me to do this, right? And we finally worked it through and I figured out what he wanted. And I'm like, oh, you're looking for this in this place you told me to put it yesterday. You told me to put it here yesterday, right? I'm like, why are you coming at me at a, at a nine? This is a fucking two problem. I said that to <laughs> yeah. him. And he's just like, okay, all right, well, uh. And I'm like, and I never got fucked with again. And boom. And that's kind of like a little bit, man, because and also, too, that's also the thing with living in um, knowing having been fired. It also comes with having been fired. Like you've been fired before you can be fired again. You recovered before you can recover again. You know,
0: like bombing. Yeah. Like you think yeah. it's the worst thing in the world, but then the next day you're like, Hey, I'm still alive. Uh, you know, uh, t- food still tastes good.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that means I don't have Corona. Now, uh, <laughs> also too, I like on the Facebook memories, the worst set that I ever had popped up in my memories like a week ago. And I, 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 I call that set like the, the flop set because there was <laughs> flop sweat involved and I flopped so hard. It was just horrible all you the got way around of
0: yourself with huge pit stains. That's always a good, no, one.
1: thank God. There was no photo evidence evidence of the night i don't want it and i would burn it if i saw it (laughs) but yeah comedy definitely enhanced my existence and uh yeah between the comedy and then the personal gross stuff i did like i'm i'm good it's just like if i could be and the thing about miami too like you can't go back because my rent was like 800 dollars a month the entire time i was there which Mm. in itself is like a four leaf clover you know (laughs) yeah so like you you can't go back and even to move somewhere else now it's not the time to be moving anywhere so it's like i'm 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 good with who i am and i'm grateful in a large part to comedy for sure
0: damn and you you think you're good uh you think you'll ever go back
1: perhaps like um not off the tail i No, absolutely not. Like I was thinking about doing it like right before this whole thing happened, just as a one-off, not as like a dive back in. It was just a one-off just to see how it felt, you you know, Yeah do
0: uh, you think being a hobbyist is a bad thing that's like a dirty word a lot of the times so when you that start word
1: fucking pissed me off when i first heard it right we're all fucking hobbyists none of you motherfuckers <laughs> are making money this is a hobby for you but those are those people that got like like the highfalutin comedy people that let invoke the words my fans when we're open mic comedians like there was a certain amount of delusion but also at the same time i was in my mid like my 30s at the time dealing with a bunch of 20 year olds so i'd been through you know, I'd seen a little bit more than they'd seen and they were full of their delusion. I wasn't trying to destroy anybody's world, but when I hear you say, I don't know if my fans are going to be able to I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? You're fans, your right. fans. Shut the fuck up. You're asking
0: me to like your Facebook fan page that talks about your influences oh, no, no, no. of Steve I'll Martin and shit. It's like you're here, you've been around a week I mean, but that's where I guess that's why everyone doesn't have that automatic 350 likes. It's because you know, you everyone has their own bar of like approval that you have to earn yeah. it.
1: Yeah, yeah, and then uh, you know, and you don't want to kill anyone's dream, man, because like everyone do, had yeah, that. I don't. We, <laughs> I, I was listening to one of your shows, uh, the just to get prepped, and it was like one. I think maybe the last one, and yeah. it was um.
0: The fatherhood guy. You
1: we're talking about someone, Patrick, and I could swear in my head it was you were talking about a specific person because I don't even know if you know of the person I have in mind, but there was a person that you were 100% repulsed by. <laughs> uh, you know, if any chance do you know who I'm talking about at all
0: that I mentioned on the pod, or just
1: no, you didn't mention them. It was of... a Miami person they had a particular style and you were talking about people probably who, a few okay well all right i don't know, right. <laughs> I don't know. I was there for eight
0: years uh, doing comedy but i mean yeah but what what uh it was no it up?
1: was just i was just listening to the thing and the way you're describing it, i was like does he have that particular person in mind because it sounds like you're describing to a t oh, when this, like, about,
0: like the people that don't get it
1: yeah, and they're like, "I don't care." Like, I'm da 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 da. You don't like it? Oh, guess what? That's my act. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, I I don't think I was thinking of anyone specifically in okay. Miami. I'm kind of curious to think of who you thought I was thinking of because I'm sure it would apply to them, and I can edit it out. <laughs>
1: I'll okay. tell you this: if there's any like, I don't know who's watching, but if there's any young comics Nobody, that are don't in, okay good well I, i'm telling you i was hearing you listening you wanted to get 100 subscribers you having me on here you're <laughs> dropping yourself back down to 60 and i
0: apologize <laughs> but for
1: the young comics like i remember there we're sitting around it was after a show and this young comic i'd seen him around didn't know his name and some of the you know season whatever three-year comics were sitting around and he comes over and he's like hey you guys want to smoke some weed and we're like fuck yeah we want to smoke some weed we knew his name from that point on when we were booking shows we're like, Oh, we know that guy's name. You know what I'm saying? And that was one of the beautiful things that I loved about comedy was how much social smoking was going on. I fucking love that part of it, man. That was, that was, that was was a golden
0: age. I definitely made a bunch of great friends with like higher tier comedians because I smoked them out.
1: And then another thing about Miami too, like, that South Florida comedy festival that happened, I was alone in a room with Chappelle for at least a couple minutes. I got to watch his set from the side of the stage with Dion Cole and Donnell Rawlings. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So now when um he's gonna be at the casino and the cheap seats are like hundred hundred and change, and I'll be up here, I'm like, how am I gonna go to this show sitting up here and watching this motherfucker when I watch <laughs> him from the side of the fucking stage? Like the last time I saw him, I got you know, he did the Radio City Music Hall run, and I saw a couple of those shows and it's like that's okay that's a step down but it's still radio city cool uh-huh. you know but you think i'm gonna go to a fucking casino in connecticut for over a hundred dollars to sit in a nosebleed to watch it nah man thank you Connecticut. anyway yeah miami was just special to me and even yeah. i had tickets in the vacation plan for a trip in july to miami i had the airbnb the plane and everything i'm like oh and then every time i was watching it like in Carmelita, It's like, oh, South Beaches, or they're having the, the beaches and and the South spring breakers are down there. Okay, uh-huh. that's, that's far enough out. We'll be okay. Right. Oh, and they then to South this, by
0: Southwest. Just, oh, oh shit. Okay.
1: Oh no, I didn't care about South. I was focused you know, it's like purely the canceling on Florida. Shit. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah they're canceling shit. Ultra. And, and yeah. But I'm watching specifically Florida, and DeSantis is such an incredible Republican piece of shit. Where every like these Republicans are doing everything they can to ensure that the shit is not going away. So I'm like, if it was like a smart state, like that was kind of doing things, maybe it'd be because you know the flight's still on, the Airbnb was still there. If I hadn't (laughs) canceled, I, I could. Technically, go,
0: but you know what? Talk about Florida, Lamont. <laughs> yeah,
1: I don't think he's gonna And then I see now this motherfucker doesn't know how to put gloves or masks on. All right, that's enough. We're there. Not happening.
0: Yeah, sorry about that, bud.
1: Last time I went, I was going to go to an open mic for the first time, like down there. And I just got the I was I got the date wrong, so I show up at the venue and it wasn't happening. So I was like, "Oh, okay, I guess it wasn't meant to be." But just the idea of like, because I I was definitely on a Thursday. This wasn't I was gonna go to Taurus, but I'm like, I don't know the people at Taurus anymore. I don't even no. want to sit there and watch. Sit there and watch because one of the worst things of being at the sh- depending on the night and the feeling. Sitting through other people's sets when you didn't really want to was a bit of a chore. <laughs> if, you didn't, if you weren't really there and you just wanted to do your shit, you know what I'm mm. saying? That was a bit of a thing I don't necessarily... That's a huge
0: remember. issue in comedy. Yeah.
1: Yeah, sitting through other people's shit.
0: <laughs> when you should, how you should, when you shouldn't, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. But, uh-huh.
0: So, yeah, and that feeling of going back somewhere and feeling like a stranger, and even though you haven't even been there yet and people would be happy to see you. It's just like, oh, should I even bother? Is it going to be yeah. weird? Yeah. And, that, and I think that's something that, like, I'd need to not have if I was going to be so, like, headstrong about comedy to be like, oh, it's a comedy room with a microphone. I'll destroy it, and I'm great. There's no problem. That's my home stage. That's where I'm You know, I always would think, overthink and rethink, and uh, there's a certain kind of, like, blunt brashness I think you kind of need at a certain level. I don't know. Like that killer instinct, as I was saying.
1: What There's a difference between killer instinct and like that not giving a fuckedness. Mm. Where it's like there's some people who look at the nooks and crannies of everything that's happening and some people they just get like that bird's eye view. And from that bird's eye view you really can brush past a lot of bullshit. You know, mm. and that that is that I think that's the brashness that you're describing is as, as I'm seeing it. It's like right. I don't give a fuck about the the, the, the minutiae. I am only steamrolling my way through. And there's a lot to be said for that. You know? Mm-hmm. But if you don't have it, then you don't fake it.
0: Yes, yeah, that's. And terrible. it's
1: obvious when you do try to fake it. Mm-hmm. People that aren't alpha that try to be alpha really only come off as pains in the ass. Hmm. You're just you're like a gnat. You come off as a gnat. Like if there's like uh, someone who's like trying to be tough guy, but it's not really in them. And it's the same way with comedy. If you're trying to be this version of a thing, and it's not you, like just you see it every your- night.
0: Oh yeah, someone trying to be someone they're not while they're figuring out their image.
1: Yeah, but even then it's image why are we doing that you know i mean i get it if you're like bob cat on a on a lower Uh email or something but like if you're just regular joe and you just have a beard and a flannel i mean what do you you know i mean everybody's got to find their voice i'll grant you that but when you're faking it you know just don't fake it and if you know there's the times that you're giving advice to people you'd be like yeah what's with the jamaican accent uh uh, you're, you're 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 you got red hair. I don't know why you're uh, trying to, pull out. you know, like some shit's just obvious. And it's like, yeah, but this is how I feel like that again. Back to that Chappelle show. This is how I feel inside. <laughs> did you see sticks and Stumps?
0: I did, but not okay. recently Denver enough Falling. to remember. Yeah. Okay. It's funny you say Jamaican accent. Cause that's one of the like things that I recognized about having to change my comedy up from Miami to Denver was that Miami was a lot more like open as far as race jokes were. And when I, I, you know, I had humor about knowing Jamaicans and I do Jamaican accent in my jokes and stuff. Uh, and then I, I stopped when I got to Denver. I kind of found that it worked fine without it. Mm. And, then, and then you get to the point where you're like, did it work in Miami or should I have not done it like that in Miami or is it just different places or was I being insensitive or is it fine? or I mean, even accents, I think it's such an interesting topic. Like it used to be a huge part of comedy like people would do accents of other cultures whether you know and now it's come to just pretty much like you can do your parents and your own accent if it's like an out there accent there's always exceptions and stuff like margaret cho style essentially but um my dad would do goofy accents in the car growing up you know and then like i would practice accents but now i like i'm very cautious about putting out accents because like you sensitivity have, you have to be careful about it and make sure you're punching up and make sure the person using the accent is not the the, the butt of the joke is not the accent itself it's not like this mm. sounds funny yeah. it's like no we're celebrating cultures and diversity here and da. da, da you know like i had little haiti jokes that kind of stuff of you course Europe, one i would try juice, it but yeah
1: one of yours that um i still remember Is uh, I put the reskin and foreskin. (laughs) Foreskin, yeah. Yeah. That cracks me up. There's every now and then I'll think back, like that's just a just so many good memories. Uh.
0: Yeah, man. Miami was a golden age for sure.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what it's like now, but I'd heard rumblings that it's simply not the same. Like where you could. Like it's more segmented and clicky where it was clicky before it's dangerously clicky where you can't even get on certain shows and whatnot. So it's uh-huh. like, well, maybe I did leave at the right time. Cause I don't, don't want to be in the world. You're describing.
0: Sure. A lot of these I'm realizing there's, it's, it's all cycles. Like you'll have a great period with great comics and great shows and all come together. And then some will leave, some will move, stuff will change. And you'll have a period where there's not a lot of talent and not a lot of fun things happening. And it kind of just mm. like comes back and forth. It's weird. It's,
1: yeah. It's
0: it's and I think that's just kind of like how talent ebbs and flows. But um
1: everything can't be the same, man. You right? Know?
0: Yeah, you can't step into the same river twice, they say.
1: They do? I never heard that.
0: It's an old it's an old Goethe or something. Uh quote. But uh Goethe, I don't know how to say it. But yeah, oh, you know. That's the, guy the, river, that, the river's uh, always flowing. You can. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, the same meaning the water changes. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. It's the flow and the river. It took me a minute to put that together. And then I started thinking about the somebody that I used to know. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Go you,
0: the famous philosopher painted <laughs> his face up with shards and uh, sang at uh, a lady. <laughs> you think you'll ever put out some YouTube stuff or you, know you could do some political There's shit or. Nah. There
1: is no audience for me. No. Most, You know what I do? I find myself so tremendously entertaining. The shit I write. Other than like that the idea of the thing that I wrote and just threw out and casually, there's things I write that I'm invested in and care very, very deeply about and couldn't imagine giving to anyone to just randomly. So if one of the things that I write to throw out there, you know, catch some catches the line, then I'll bring this other shit in, these other things in that I'm working on. Like I was playing like with this quarantine, I've been playing Red Dead Two again right because Uh-oh. the first time i played it i was rush playing it to avoid spoilers because it was like the hot <laughs> game of the time right so now i'm playing it like super casually taking my time hunting fishing and shit and it's a such a beautiful game but in playing it i came up with a whole new storyline you know how like the, the black wall street was depicted in in watchmen so i was thinking of I don't know what there's this like I was playing Red Dead 2 and in that period and then I started thinking about Native Americans and black people at that time what would that story look like that is not a story that I've seen mm-hmm. so I started fucking around with that as an outline and that would be another one that I, maybe I wrote but that would be like so strong like anyway so yeah I'm I'm the writing that I do is entertains the fuck out of me like I could sit down and like not watch something and just get into the fucking many worlds that I have created. Mm-hmm. And like the stories are so fucking dense. There's things that happen. Like, you know how like you appreciate it and lost? Like, there's something they brought up in season one. Oh, look at them bring it up in season four. The oh my yeah. gosh. And that's like, I have been brought up appreciating the cool shit that happened and this one thing that i've worked on for so long like i saw an email from 2010 on an early draft and and so like i've been these characters have been playing around in my head and it's like this is so fucking dope but really everybody wants fucking this fucking retread bullshit this fucking half milk toast shit that you're just like you don't fucking you don't deserve an audience
0: for, for your kind oh, of no. content there
1: is an audience I don't have the tolerance for the steps and the bullshit I gotta go through to get it to where it needs to be made and it's so fucking gratifying and entertaining to me to come up with this shit hmm. that I don't want I don't even want them in my fucking house you know what I'm saying Damn. it's I, I've learned to enter be that my entertainment while it doesn't draw it does entertain me. So how about I entertain the audience, the most important audience member in the world, this guy,
0: you know? <laughs> you know, that's that's very refreshing because so many, you know, I think a lot of people lose the reason that they get into comedy is because they have such a great relationship with comedy, with humor, and mm. it's such a big part of their lives. And then somehow it just gets shifted into like, I must give this to other people. I must make other people laugh. My reason for being is to make other people laugh. And it's like, you're just forgetting what a good time you can have by yourself, even, you know, just, uh, just enjoying being a funny person or seeing the humor in life, you know,
1: another thing that too, from being a comedian to having those conversations where that's another thing I appreciate is the conversational boundaries are kind of, you know, you hear this from every comedy podcast, but when you're talking to comedians, everyone gets it that, you know, like white people come in saying the n-word i'm not even a person that uses the n-word but you i know where they're coming from when they're saying you know what i'm saying and That's in Miami the right, right circumstance yeah. Yeah, yeah so like there's just boundaries that are down and you get it because you're within this hey we all get it because we're all in this tribe and you know and i i, I there's a so now when i'm here and i talk to like you know people that have never been in it my boundaries i kind of have to realize to rein it in to have conversation with people otherwise i'll be like abortion eat that shit you know and <laughs> be like oh my god <laughs> <laughs> right they're not on
0: your comedy level so to
1: speak right. to be able to jump well, to 10. you know the boundaries are different you know the lines are different Ooh. that's one thing that, mm-hmm. that was an adjustment
0: so I guess we're getting getting towards the end here. Um, no, we're
1: not. No, we're not, Daniel. No. We're just getting
0: started. Chapter one, the, the <laughs> appendix. Uh, what is kind of like, what about comedy would you like the general population to know and understand about comedy that they just don't get?
1: I don't think you, I haven't made it clear. I don't think there's any fixing or changing the way the world is. I think this is such an, a downward slope. If comedy, when comedy comes back, maybe this will be the thing that lets people say, how about we take away that? I don't know, because here's the the difference between this and nine 11 was after nine 11, there was a definite shift. This just seems to be like a, a a muddy murky thing. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know if comedy is going to be able to like, like change. Like after nine 11, there was a bit of a shift now when people come back are they still going to be into that you're saying the wrong thing i don't like that. are they going to be like i got bigger fucking problems let's just let comedy be comedy you know so anything can be said what can the public do literally this question before covid would be worth the pondering but this is such a a a mystery going forward anything Mm. can happen
0: total redefinition of comedy could happen stand-up could find a whole new groove
1: it depends on how bored people are when we come out of this. Like, if they're, are they like, I, I want to go back to being miserable about something besides being locked in my house. If they want to like be miserable about something else, they'll find another another laser sight for the cat to go after. You know. But if not, then they'll go back to shitting on that. Oh, I, I meant to drop this in. A New York Times has this um, podcast where it was the woke black female woman, black woman who's the social commentator, and they did a review of sticks and stones. And if you ever wanted to hear what someone who should not even listen to comedy thinks about comedy, it was one of the most frustrating audio experiences of my life. It's like, you don't deserve this. He's like, like, ah. So
0: Sure. It's not for you. Not all comedy is
1: for everyone. Right. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't do this. I don't crochet because I don't find enjoyment in it, but I don't say fuck crochet. You know what I'm saying? (laughs)
0: Right. Right.
1: I don't know. So good luck to comedy. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, definitely. It's like a a downtime. Like all of us have to redefine ourselves. Comedy itself has a, a downtime to redefine itself and entertainment in general. Like shows are stopping production and like we're not going to have shit to watch in a little bit you know so people are going to be a lot more free with their choices at
1: least for a little while it's a a good thing there's a million things to watch though there's infinity
0: how do you choose
1: i'll tell you one thing that kind of annoys me if i see one more commercial with we're in this together we're (laughs) not in this together that is the that is as big as a lie as america's the melting pot or all men are created equal that is just mm-hmm. stop it with the lies. All right. Pay your we employees
0: what it costs to produce this fucking commercial and give them hazard pay or extra pay. Don't just fucking lip service us about how oh, you care.
1: If it, this hmm. is something that I posted on Facebook, sorry if you saw I it, but it's like up. they keep calling knock yourself out. They keep calling people like heroes, like all these people, essential workers, heroes. You know, when was the last time you thought about giving Superman a raise? Like you never even considered it. You do so, not get paid
0: shit. He do not have a salary. Right. A so
1: You don't even have to think about, you know, how you're going to compensate that hero. So unless there's some kind of serious structural changes in America, I mean, we yeah. can't, I, I think it's so glaringly apparent that we can't go back to what we were, but we're heading right back down the path mm-hmm. of where we were. And it's like, yo, we just missed such an, an opportunity.
0: Sure. The powers that be are going to do everything they can to take us back to what was the status quo. But I think, I mean, and some, at the worst-case scenario, some things will change because we've just literally seen too many cracks. So many they are like, wow, this state is providing uh, child care for our, all of their workers. Why couldn't they have done that last month? Why did it take a pandemic to get us to think about giving like a universal basic income during these times and like speeding up all the, it's almost like Trump himself. It's like, he's the giant pimple that accumulates all of the disgusting pus into one source. So we can finally pop that shit.
1: Unfortunately, Trump is just the white head and the entire pimple is white nationalism. Oh man. So, It's a bad diet of sugar and touching just, your face. <laughs> it's such a bigger problem, man, because you know Hitler didn't do his shit by himself the same way Trump ain't doing all his shit by himself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And the shit is only ramping up. It's not even settling down. These motherfuckers storming capitals armed? Come on, man.
0: Insane. Grabbing for their guns and the cops are just like, sir, please calm down.
1: Meanwhile, black people wearing masks are getting fucking knocked on the ground left and right. They, so,
0: the guy who was just murdered by those two assholes.
1: That was two months ago, but still. Was that just this,
0: two months ago, and now that's just hitting, like, it's reaching news critical mass now?
1: Yeah, yeah. Fuck. It's, uh, yeah. And then there's all the ones that you don't hear about, so, you know.
0: Well, what do you want to leave people with? Tell, tell everyone, you know, how are we going to destroy this fucking white hegemony Hegemony. I don't know how to say that. Uh, just fucking just this horrible, listen, you talk about it a lot in your post stuff. So
1: I don't wealthy know. white right-wing men and the dangerous idiots that support them will not stop until everything that you love is reduced to ashes. White nationalism is a mental deficiency that would rather see destruction of everything by their hand than anything resembling a shared prosperity. So they are not losing. Then this other side can't get our shit together long enough. Like if you see Morning Joe is three hours, five days a week of rehashing Twitter. You know what I'm saying? Versus Mm. Fox News. I'm not saying Fox News is so effective in that I was talking to my neighbor, right? He was a, a small talk neighbor and he started in with all the talking points. This is the first time he got into politics. All the talking points, all of them. And he felt it, felt it like he was and that was bone chilling to me. So knowing that that's out there, and Morning Joke is just like rehashing shit, as opposed to you know the Today Show has Martin or uh, Willard Scott and uh, what's the guy Al Roker saying. Here's what's happening in your neck of the woods that would be delightful if they said you know we're going to go to your local affiliate and tell you where you can go and what you can do here's where a phone bank is here's where you can volunteer Mm. we are not on our shit and i am not a person that people listen to so all i do i feel like i'm the greatest american hero like i got this power without the fucking instruction book of how to most effectively use it but i all i know is i see it as fucking clear as a thousand suns right in my face that if you're not stopping it you're walking right into destruction so what i would say work on yourself. That's all you got. Be smarter and, and and find your happiness. Find your way to be happy. Find what makes you able to deal with the worst that could be thrown at you. That is the best thing you can do for yourself is finding your happiness, finding what you can do that doesn't require anything. You know, you got to have backup plans. Like people, some people didn't know what to do when they were sequestered in their house for months at a time i have been set up for this forever i created a fucking recording booth for voiceover shit i got a whole lot i've got so much shit that i can do i can do another fucking give me another four or five months of this shit man i'm good now this is different because i'm working from home and i'm very fortunate but also that goes bottom line is that what i would say your mindset is the most important thing and it's pretty much the only thing you got You make sure that it's the strongest thing that you got. And if you got to work on it, like we worked on our comedy, work on your mind and your abilities to deal with everything that's going to be thrown at you because it's Mm -hmm. only going to be more and it's only going to be heavier. And all you have is you. And if you got to look out for other people, you still got to be strong enough to look out for those other people. So look out for your mental fucking well being and stability, manage your expectations, because if you go in expecting things, you're only going to be disappointed. So manage your expectations, strengthen your mind, that's, you know what I'm saying? Look out for your strength and lock down your foundation. Your foundation's your mind. Sure.
0: Start from there. If you're going to change the world, start from your corner.
1: Fuck the world. Live in your corner and fix that shit. And make that shit fucking delightful.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, some some thoughtful, wise words to end on. And I hope everyone does dwell on them. Um, This was a great uh a great interview to show that like not walking away from comedy doesn't always have to be this like devastating fucking life departure and change it's just like another phase in it it doesn't define you let it strengthen you don't let it weaken you take care of yourself
1: don't look back in anger i heard him say
0: Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, any final? Uh, it's funny because this would be the normal part where people would plug their uh, exploits, but the people, right. I, the people I interview on this podcast uh, are exploitless, uh, regardless of Corona. Um, I got nothing. <laughs> yeah. nothing to promote. Hot... I write
2: dope shit. You
0: will. Yeah. You know, Fire I'm... rants on Facebook. People like a good Facebook rant. Just takes one to go. No,
1: back. they don't. I have lost so many followers. <laughs> uh, I, I have people are like unfollow. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? It doesn't matter to me because, A, I was born before the internet. So it's like there was a time the internet really fucking mattered to me and I found myself being disgusted. I was banned from Twitter. I got kicked off the politics Reddit, subreddit because,
0: you know what I'm saying? So
1: it's like, look, and and the thing is, I can argue any of the shit that happened, but fuck it. Fuck it. It's gone. It's gone. You know what? Fuck it. So maintain your shit, man.
0: Maintain your shit. Amen. Well, thanks again for being here today, Lamont. Appreciate it. It was awesome to catch up.
1: Good talking to you, man.
0: All right. And now bye for the listeners before we really dish some shit. Bye.
2: Cool. Click.